0: Hello, universe. What's up? It is uh, 6.31 on the 24th of May, which means we've only got one more week of May left, and I am now 32 minutes late to this joke construction workshop. Was that what it was called? Joke constructing workshop? Constructing jokes workshop? I don't know. Um, And since it only goes for another uh, hour and now 13 minutes, and I'm probably 20 minutes away by the quickest route, and I could get poured on on the way because it's been raining all day, well, my motivation is still pretty high. I think I'm going to go. I mean, I wouldn't be completely... uh, Taken aback if my decision to stay is what won the day here uh, in a few minutes, but in case I do go, I wanted to have this opportunity for the last time to speak about how how uh, how much thought I've put into this activity, and I mean, we're talking 40 years of consideration, really, and I have no framework on which to give it reference. In other words, it's completely a web of what I've seen on VH1, Behind the Music, to singing Cars with Jerry Seinfeld or whatever that thing is. My point is, I've been peripheral on this my whole life, looking in like someone who just wished they had enough... Mm, whatever it is to get involved. Well, whatever it is has uh, has clearly fallen away. And I've really do think the one thing I enjoy most in life is making people laugh. And I, I bet half of humanity could say that. In fact, I wonder if the whole reason the Galactic Federation is tolerating our juvenile idiocy is because we laugh. I wonder if every conscious sentient body form engages in laughter. There are laughing moments in nature, but there aren't many. And I see my dog smile all the time, but she doesn't... uh, (sighs) Laughter is one of the more fascinating feel-good medicines out there, to me. If I somehow move from consternation, to laughing my ass off, the whole shift of reality that occurs with that takes me to a better place. And and, and the way I pursue laughter is always in the vein of never laughing at someone to make them feel bad. And never... That isn't even... I don't know what that is. That's... What? Seventh grade social organization. Your... Your true... Best part about human life and the comedy therein is you don't have to make other people feel bad to feel good about yourself. You can point out how great everything is except maybe in this way that we're doing things weird. Um... You can expect the best in everybody. You can never make people feel like they don't have the opportunity right now to give themselves a better shot. I mean, there's no reason for comedy to be anything but uplifting. And um, and it was it was in this um, train of thought that I started carrying through some of my more uplifting moments and finding the humor back engineering the moment from there and the wilderness school oh my god is it littered with and plus owning the, the macaw i mean you want to talk about something that common sense didn't even have never even got to to raise its hand it just it just was one of those four month windows of lunacy that i was going to engage and learn a lesson and Yet, the macaw stories are pretty funny. Um, So, there are ways to be humorous. And it it doesn't even have to be self-deprecating. Although that's obviously a great tool. But there are ways to be humorous. And intentionally making people uncomfortable enough to check themselves a bit and think through... Uh, the uh, inanity of 21st century American life without them feeling bad about any of it. And and you don't even... And it, I was trying to think if there are topics that are off limits to joke about. And I hate to say it, but I, I, I am going to say the best comedians in the universe have to say no. Because the whole point of comedy is to make us release that which is causing us pain. And so what is the most painful thing you can imagine? Just get that out of your head right now, now that you've thought about it. Eradicate it. Of course you don't want to make fun of that. But if a human being has experienced something, then it's... It's in the data bank. It's done. They don't get to not experience it. That stoner shit from yesterday doesn't exist. Now, so does this open the door to talk about child molestation in some sort of comedic way? Well, no. Obviously not. But if the best comedian in the universe were tasked to have a conversation with somebody whose soul hang up in the universe was the abuse they suffered as a child at the hands of a a trusted one. Well, I put a comedian in there almost before anybody else because they're going to find the connection that is there to be had to share humanity. The person that's sitting in that situation is not needing someone To make her laugh so her life feels better. There's no such thing. And I don't mean to make her a her. We'll just call them Sam. But this envisioned victim of society's ills is more than anything in need of some real humanity. That which has befallen those of you who've suffered the worst. I I can barely be around the conversation. It's so painful. I don't I don't have anything but wide open arms of love and and I'm, I can understand, I can just support. I can peel as many grapes, pop as much popcorn, and fill every ice water glass with fresh ice that you want. I can remind you that it wasn't your fault and that nothing about your situation did you deserve. And everything that that situation did to unmoor your boat, it's its amazing that the strength in you has allowed it to be as situational as it's become. But it'll never go away. And it'll never change. And it'll never get easier. You'll just cope with it in varying strains of I got this versus I can't get the fucking door open. And what I hate about hmm, the majority of my dating record are the stories of hmm, entangled uh, aggression that almost every woman has if not everyone and in some cases absurdly the, <laughs> the the idea that guys can think that they know what it's like to be in a position of the other the weaker the attachment, the afterthought, and I am not dismissing the role of women in society. I am speaking of a an evolution of character that has changed in my lifetime from father knows best to something else. And the strongest role models I have, in terms of life and purpose, are all women. Well, is that true? All. Probably, and because there's a there's a care for um, for the situation that is inherent in women and men. We're just suppressing it. But in United States of America, there is no encouragement of the feminine from the masculine-driven messaging. None. It is barely a conversation that's now emerging as gender fluidity and all these things become something more mainstream, but even in the 90s, at a very progressive liberal college where a lot of people were experimenting with a lot of different skirts and shirts, the, the idea that you could create a situation where woman or women wouldn't feel secondary, it doesn't exist. In fact, A society in which women are dominant and men are the, what, the sperm donors? What do do men really do? Men are troublemakers. They go create fiat currency so they can manipulate it and overhaul resource allocations to their advantage in a way that... mm, Thousands of years, people look back and think, oh, barbaric. While women are nurturing, raising children, uh, feeding, sewing, sewing. I wonder how many men know how to use a sewing machine. I wonder how many men know how to stitch a hem versus women. Will you think it's 80-20? Probably. Probably. And I actually know how to stitch a hem. My mother taught me how to sew before I went to college in case I had to sew uh, my pants back together. I know how to do a basic hem stitch and a. I can do a, uh, whatever you would do, a crotch stitch. Um, That's it. And I can use a sewing machine because I taught myself once. It's not an easy contraption to figure out, I can say that, but it is a device that is not gender-specific. Wearing clothes is a human experience. Being able to repair one's clothes is the kind of knowledge that's worth having. And yet, if you have a room with 25 men in it, I would be shocked if two of them had ever used a sewing machine. I just would be. Now, I come from a... Well, my parents were born in 40 and 42. I was born in 69, my sister in 71. So our framework isn't 21st century exclusive, nor is it 21st century specific. It's a balance of both. And the the way I've seen knowledge, access, accessibility... um, Morph into what is here now in the smartphone generation from what it used to be. Well, there's no excuse not to know how to survive. Basically, you sh- you need to know how to how to uh, can fruit. You need to know how to uh, repair a lawnmower. You need to know how to uh, uh, refinish a hardwood floor. You need to know how to to uh, groom your dog. There are Skills now that are um, knowledge that are so available to not pursue them and in some sense bring them into your life at a level of mastery that qualifies for what you need to get done is just you being lazy and you being uh, unaccountable to fulfilling your true uh, uh, brain's capabilities while you're here. The idea that there's women and men work. I mean, ugh. I've I've had I've had a feminist point of view my entire life, um, and I flat out call myself a feminist, even though I know women won't. Um, but I have specific reasons for calling myself an angry feminist, and. This is actually one of the things I've turned into a bit for stand-up, so I'm not going to do it here till I've done it on stage. but feminism as a movement was about empowering women to a level that they had the same uh, uh, stature of respect and uh, involvement in civilizational Progression as men. The idea that it's not that way is what's fucking ludicrous. And (sighs) the fainting couch, the uh, the concept of frailty that's assigned to women in context with some emotionally uh, inert. Uh, weakness that men just power right through. Bullshit. Listen to any of my breakdowns and tell me I'm not the most emotionally frail human being you've ever heard. I know I am. Unless you have a troubled 13-year-old adolescent girl who in two years will have gotten out of her phase, mine's here to stay. And what I truly believe is that because men are so emotionally stunted and so emotionally, um, incapable of exploring the soft side, it has left women in a position to really get very little of that, except maybe in the family structure from other women or a brother or a really good, uh, uh, friend in some capacity but the the way that women have enough emotional <laughs> uh, width in societal expectations to expand beyond just uh, laughter and um, and pats on the back at weddings there is a whole universe of connection between women and men that could be made if men could just allow emotional vulnerability to be part of the palette they paint with. Whether or not that's available, well, (laughs) I mean it's available, look at me for fuck's sake, it's definitely available. Whether or not it will ever emerge again and we'll get back to living like the true ascendant species we used to, I can hope, I can hope but, oh man, I'm blown off this workshop in record form. So I can't say anything other than I'm more sure of what I'm doing in this moment of complete unrest and, and deconstruction than I have any right to be. Something about this next move feels like everything was happening to get to here. Now, in a month and a half, when I can't even record another recording because I've gotten so tired of everything about myself that I need to go shut down for a while and put myself in the cellar until 2052, well, (laughs) hmm. I wouldn't bet on it, but having uh, gone through whatever I go through tonight, I will check in after this and my first moment of, uh, you need to sit down and shut the fuck up because whatever you're thinking over there, uh, you might just want to listen for a while. When that moment happens tonight, I'll deserve it for one, but I'll be able to smile through it because nothing and I mean nothing, is going to set me back on this journey. And I'm back. After a, let's see, how long was that break? A 16-hour break? Wait, no, longer than that, sorry. Whoa, that was terrible math. Okay, after a a 21-hour break, it is now 2.53 on the 25th of May. And I have been consumed by comedy since I hit pause last night, even though I didn't go to that workshop. And, um, okay, I have been a conversational one-upper my whole life. I've always wanted to be the guy that said the smartest thing in the room and have pursued and honed the craft of smart-alecky responses as a result. I have spent most of my life trying to find the humor in my day. I have really no other consistent driving force of daily routine that comes close. If I walk into an uncomfortable situation, I immediately want to make a joke and lighten things up. If I walk into a buoyant situation, I immediately want to join the crowd and see if I can get higher, the level higher than it already is. If I come into a circumstance where, uh, everyone's tra- treating something too seriously, I'll immediately point out the absurdity and what we're up to. I just, I'm always thinking about enjoyment and mood elevation. Is that true above all else? Probably true above all else. So, having... Now, um, too much information bombarding me to capture it all. hmm, I've never had my head and my reality so synergistically involved in something... That wasn't an activity like jumping out of an airplane. I am as connected to this process of conceiving that which will make people laugh as I think I've ever been to anything ever. I can't stop writing down things that are funny. I'm consumed by it. And I've gotten almost... I've got almost a full notebook in just this week of ideas. And I think some of them are excellent. I think some of them are even better than that. And I think most of them are good or better than that. It's as if I've been denying myself this life so Ridiculously long that when I finally am able to envision the courage to move forward, all those ideas waiting to have a chance are flooding me. And again, It's easy to say you're the greatest oboe player in the world if you've never picked up an oboe. Well, no, it's not. It's easy to say you're potentially the greatest oboe player in the world if you've never picked up an oboe. It just lives over in the undecided column. And I'm absolutely 100% reverse jinxing the karma of my life in recognizing that I am nothing more than the overestimating himself oboe player who's never picked up an oboe. I'm aware. But I'm also the person who's never thought this is my moment of realization in life that matters. Everything that's ever happened to me has just happened to me. My fault. I agree. But I've lived my life without consequence and concern 99% of the time. I am more concerned about the consequences of what this is going to establish than I've been about anything. Because I know what I'm cultivating has purpose, and it's jokes. But I can see the fracture that can be repaired in the community that is 21st century American life through comedy. And I've always known this, but never had it a vision of how to enact it at a scale that would mean anything other than my own sense of, what, disconnect from the universe. But we're all disconnected from the universe now. No one's plugged in. Everyone's on edge. Everyone's got elements of their reality pulling them away from their true selves. And while that's as much tragedy as it is comedy, it's comedy. It's lots of it. It's so much that I don't even know if I want to go to that workshop and tell them some of my ideas. Maybe some of the shittier ones, but I don't know which ones of those would be right now. Huh. The, uh, <laughs> uh... Yeah, the... And and what a wonderful way to get to work out the conundrums I have in my head. Like, for instance, why do we want to be babysat? Why are we sitting around waiting for our our savior? What is that about? Well, put that into a comedy routine and it can be about a whole bunch of shit. Both absurd and insightful. But sit there and mull it in your head for a month on end and where do you end up? Hmm. Well. Uh, probably with a big fat dab in your hand wondering why Gilligan's Island is playing on the computer still.